Welcome to the Quick Talk Podcast with Joshua Latimer, where we discuss business, life, family, faith, struggle, fire, pain, and ultimately winning. It's time to take massive action. Look, I, I can't work harder on your life or business than you do. It's ultimately all on you. You know, God created all the food the birds would ever need, but he doesn't put it in their nest. You've got to go get it. 10 out of 10 people die. So how about doing something today that actually matters while you still can? Hey, my friends, welcome to the Quick Talk Podcast. How the heck are you? I bet you're tired. I bet you're busy. And hopefully, though, through all of the busyness, all of your wildest dreams are coming true. (laughs) But maybe not. Maybe not yet. I know it's hard. Uh, I have a great conversation waiting for you today with my friend Michael Hinderleiter. He's been on the podcast before. He's someone I look up to. I think he's a great guy. He's a family guy, father of three. And he's got several different companies doing eight bajillion dollars. I don't know, ten million dollars a year between all of them. Uh, You know, about a hundred employees. a really large operation, uh, but just a good dude. He served the community. A lot of people respect him. And I thought it'd be cool to just have a conversation about life and business and catch up with him. Michael, how are you? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Glad to be here and I appreciate you asking me back. Of course, man. You're, you're, I love talking to you. And uh, one of the reasons is your humility. Like You're just always so unassuming, but at the same time, I know the truth that you got these really serious businesses churning along in the background, but you're always real ho-hum, like, oh, well, you know, you just, uh, you know, just doing our thing over here. It's like, well, sort of, but like hundreds of thousands of people (laughs) are doing their thing and they're getting really, really small results. And somehow you're getting these huge, crazy results. Are you some sort of financial genius? Are you some sales ninja master? Tell us your, remind us of your story a little bit and how we got to this point. Right. Well, um, you know, it's a lot of hard work. I won't, you know, I can't say that it's not. Um, but I think that, you know, everyone goes through stages, stages in their entrepreneurship, or as they, or as they grow in life, just in in in, in personal and in work experience. And I think it's important that you always look to improve and find ways to improve, and. Several years ago, I I was involved with uh, Power Washers of North America. I served on the board uh, for several years. I was like 15 or 16 years. But during one of those stints of being on the board, I ended up getting in uh, charge of a of the bulletin board that PWA had. They no longer have it. And I took that bulletin board from basically nothing because I started from scratch to be in the, the, the most contributed to and most participated in bulletin board in the industry. And it took me two years to do that. But in the process, I, I began to realize how much time I was investing in that bulletin board. And I, it was at least 20 hours a week. And I started having staff make comments to me about where I was spending my time. And, and at first it was, I didn't like them saying it, but, but I, I stepped back and I realized that they were right. And, and my priority should have been on my business and my family and not so much on that bulletin board because it really didn't contribute a lot to my, my growth as a professional or my personal life. Um, I learned a little bit from it, but not a whole lot. I was helping more people than I was getting help. And when I handed that off, 
I basically pulled myself out of all the social media. Uh, back then, there was no Facebook and stuff. It was just a bulletin board. So I completely stopped all action in all the bulletin boards that I was taking. And I refocused all my energy back on my businesses. I would say I probably had eight to 10 employees at that time when I backed off. And then in 2010, when I bought my dad's business out, uh, which I rebranded powerwash.com, I grew about 10, 10, 10 times, if you want to say that, because I went from eight to 10 employees. Well, yeah, I went from around eight to 10 employees to 80 employees. So it was eight to 10 times my growth um, from where I was in that 10 year period. Uh, I've kind of held about the same number of employees since we do, we do, we do keep growing, but we achieve more efficiency and we're getting better at that. And, and I'll be honest, there are times when <laughs> I, I, I would, almost prefer to back off some of the social media and stuff because um, I do think it kind of pulls away from, from my, my end goal at times, but it actually helps with the, the PowerWash University and PowerWash.com now. So I, I need a social presence, so I have to be involved there for that social presence. Um, so I, it, if that kind of helps that, and, and my point being is people don't always realize during that period I became a lot more laser focused on how I spent my time. So if my, if my time during the day wasn't contributing to the results I was wanting to achieve long-term or even for the year or for that month, I pulled that activity out of my objective. For instance, if, uh, you know, obviously the bulletin board was one of them. I, I gained a huge amount of time back from that. Um, if I found that <clears throat> my wife needed me to wait for why she did something else, why then I would redirect my focus into another project or something that would consume that time. Uh, and this is kind of an odd story, but I learned that when I was in high school, uh, you know, when the bell rings, everybody runs out in the hall and they, and they, they start socializing and then they go back in the classroom. And I had a had a neighbor kid living across the street from me, and he and he was always so caught up on his homework. And I said, "What? Do you, how do you have your homework done at the end of the day every day?" And he said to me, "He goes, well, when I get to the next class or when the bell rings, I get to class as fast as I can. I open up my books and I start working on my homework. So when I get home at night, I don't have to do my homework. Mm. And so that <laughs> that made me." So at an early age, I got that opportunity to just have a friend tell me a little tidbit on how to save time and how to how to refocus. So um, I've always tried to 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 focus. Time is probably the most valuable resource that any of us have, and it's the only thing it's the only thing in our lives that is really finite. So how do we how do we gain more from the time that we have, and and, and one of those things is to, is to grow your company, grow your wealth. Um, and, and the ways you do that is by hiring people or duplicating your efforts. Or, you know, I, I think we want to talk a little bit about, about systems and things like that and how to do that. But once you – there's only one, really one true way to do that because none of us can – we could work ourselves to death and hardly get anywhere in our lifetimes 
unless we're finding ways to duplicate our efforts. Well, I, I, okay. You, that's you could, how you, you gain time. There's a lot of gold in what you just said. I'm scribbling down a couple notes I want to ask your thoughts on. Um, the first thing, a few minutes ago, you mentioned uh, how you really just doubled down and started investing your time back in your core business. And I thought that was interesting because mm-hmm. even really little businesses, I get questions where they're like, hey, uh, uh, I got I got 30 grand you know, set aside. What should I invest it in, Josh? Should I should I put it all in Bitcoin? <laughs> should I buy real estate? Should I get an IRA? Should I max out my whatever? And it's it's crazy because really the best investment as an entrepreneur is putting it back in your business. It's there's really very few places where you're going to get the ROI uh, that you will from reinvestment. You know, assuming you're focused and you know what you're doing. But you put that exactly. capital in your business, you can get a huge result. That I, w- I wanted to get your thoughts on that. And then in addition to that, you were talking about the fact that time doesn't replenish. Um, you know, you, you chop down a tree, it's a renewable resource. Another tree will grow. You, you know, like there's renewable, money is renewable. You know, you can always make more. You can go create more. But time doesn't replenish. Like we don't get any time back. And it's funny. Well, it's not funny. It's sad at the end of people's lives They'll give away everything they ever earned to extend their life, which is, you know, the, they, they work and waste time and work and waste a little time and they do all this stuff and then they get sick and they're old and they'll give away all their money to stay alive for another year or whatever. And I think that's crazy. You know, I don't think people value their time. And I, I think that was a huge thing you pointed out. Uh, so what are your thoughts on investing back in your business, I guess, as question number one? And then the follow-up question is, Everybody thinks they work hard, Michael. So you said, yeah, it's a lot of hard work. So (laughs) did you actually work harder or were you just working different? Because hard work is a requirement, but people that dig ditches for $2 an hour in Central America work hard and they don't make any money. What's your perspective on the investing in your business and hard work? Yeah, well, investing, I don't think there's a better investment you can make than putting in, and that's, that's really what I've done all my life. I don't have a ton of investments outside of my business, which maybe some would say that's smart. Maybe some would say that it's stupid. I, I'm not sure. But for me, and the reason, because I've, I've, I've contemplated it several times. You know, maybe, maybe obviously real estate would be a good one. You know, I, I think that would probably be a pretty safe investment. It's, it's always been, There's only been one time that I'm aware of and in the history of our country where real estate declined in value and that was during the crash. But, um, but outside of that, I think it's always going to, it's always going to keep pace, but there's not a lot that you can do to make real estate increase in value rapidly. And you don't have a lot of control over that. You are, you're a captive to the outside influences and an audience. Mm-hmm. Um, the market forces. The perception of what's happening in market forces. Thank you. Whereas in business, market forces do have an impact, but you have so much influence on how you can adjust and you can maneuver your company and and make it more attractive and uh, drawing customers and things like that. There's nothing else that you could really have more control over. And I think a true entrepreneur um, is not a big risk taker. They really like control. They like to uh, to know that they can influence their future and there's nothing better to do that than to own your own business and to control what's happening with your own business. Uh, I think I think probably one of the biggest things that hurts entrepreneurs at times is that they know what they need to do, 
they just don't always take the proper initiative to move forward and they hesitate and there's nothing i don't think there's anything worse that could hurt and i do it at times i i, I look back over the past five or ten years and, and i see some other things that are happening I'm like man i should have moved on that sooner um and i kick myself and um why is it you think anyway, you do move on it though i mean you're 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 at a $10 million level with a business, which is, you know, there's lots of people with bigger than that. And, but most people are way, way lower than that. And money isn't like the ultimate yardstick to everything, but it is an indicator of massive value creation. You've created a hundred jobs. You, I mean, it's insane. Like you did that. What is different about you? Do you know, is it just kind of how you are? What did you get lucky? I know that that's not the case, but how did you get such a big result when everybody works hard at least they think they do and you know you know what i'm saying it's kind of a weird question but what are your thoughts yeah no no it, it it's a, actually it's a real good question um you know we talked about time and i think that's where your question is going but you know so how you, you look at things on on you know hiring people you know so when do you hire a person do you hire a person before you actually need them or do you hire a person and i think for the most part and this has always been something that i do and I can't help it, it seems, but I always have more on my plate than I think I can. Well, there's always more on my plate than I can get done. It's just that way. And and I go through phases where I realize it's time to hand off some of this work. And I train people or I hire people and I find people with a skill set that they can do that. Or I create systems and, and processes that that is easily duplicated by staff members and i try to focus on growing growing more in those areas where i can duplicate repetition um it's one of the reasons why i like being in fleet washing and kitchen exhaust cleaning and uh those 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 services are easily duplicated and replicated whereas if i got into doing high-rise building cleaning and uh, you know, where there's a lot of things that change from job site to job site. Mm-hmm. And they're still going to change in, on the other ones that are going to, on, on those other services that I mentioned, they'll change it there as well. But the there's core process. Less complexity, is right? The You're same. just tr- trying to yeah. reduce complexity. Yeah. Right, right. Um, but because of that, there's, there's going to be more competition too. So I've got to find other ways to, um, to be, to be a good, to be, attractive to my customers you know and, the, and one of them is just you know by the people we sell and the service we provide and, and being a quality provider so you know i think that's pretty common a lot of people want to be the best but they don't they say it but they don't act on it all the time yeah literally everyone says they're the best at, yeah i yeah. ask people why is your company why should people hire your company well we provide the best quality service in southeast mississippi it's like oh my <laughs> right, god vomit yeah. like no one cares that's white noise yeah so what do you do to differentiate but, i mean I'm, I'm curious about that so because fleet wash yeah, is more well, of a commoditized service a little bit right it is it so is. how do you so, fight that and keep it profitable when you're at scale like you are right so so, so if you if you're ever in a restaurant, you see the manager walking around asking everybody how they how they uh, if they like their food and if if they're happy with the service. If you're if if you're afraid to do that with your customers, you're never going to know what you need to, what you need to improve on, and you're going to think you're the best when you're not. 
Mm. If you're not afraid to get the criticism, you've got to have that. Um, but then as, as far as being able to grow and, and, you know, train staff, you know, I've, I've, I've been through the growth phases where, you know, I, I, I trained one person and then I backed off and I let them train another person and they train a guy and then they train another guy. And I've said it several times, you know, you get the telephone game and by the end, of, by the time it goes around the room, it's never <laughs> the same message that you originally taught. Right. And, and I've come back in after a couple of years and realized that our service was horrible. And I had to, I had to face the tough reality that I dropped the ball and I didn't get good systems in place, good documentation and good training programs in place. And if you don't have those, it'll bite you in the butt. Oh, that's such a great transition point. Cause I, I wanted to ask you about training and employee stuff because th- this is the bottleneck for like n- almost everybody probably listening to this. Uh, the the sure. economy is killing it right now. Like it's just the opportunity is insane. There's money everywhere. People are booked out f- two months and all this crazy stuff. But they can't scale and they're not capitalizing on all the opportunity because they can't build their teams fast enough. They have bottlenecks with training, with duplicating and replicating, you know, or they say there's no such thing as good employees anymore. No one wants to work. These are just stories people tell themselves, right? Because although it may be hard, it's completely doable. You're doing it and lots of people are. What does that look like inside your company in terms of training uh, today? Yeah, well. You know, we have checklists, we have, uh, you know, training processes, we have videos, and we're, we're always looking to make things better. Um, and if you got all your key em- employees and people out there in the field, um, you know, and that's repeatedly training and training and training because not every new hire you bring in the door is going to be good. And you and there are practices you can put in place to to weed them out, ask them good questions, and get better in the hiring process so that you don't hire anybody that walks in off the street because they're a warm body. <clears throat> you definitely don't want to do that, and that's that's a that's a lengthy conversation in itself. Mm-hmm. But you know, once you get good practices in place, um, you know, then then the training itself can become repetitive and your key employees and yourself as a business owner don't have to be out there doing the training all the time. There are some basic, uh, there's always basic things that they can learn and you can put them through a program to learn those basic things before they ever step foot on the first job site. And that, and you know, once, once you identify how that, how that program is going to work and how it's going to build out, that's what that that's, I mean, it should be a high priority. Does that make sense? Oh, com- totally makes sense. I, yeah. I'm yeah. actually scrolling through your website as you're talking, uh, looking at some of the courses you have. Because uh, uh-huh. I was telling you before we started recording, more and more people keep telling me how they're they're actually buying some of your powerwash.com courses and using them as training videos because... For an owner-operator, even someone with a small team, it's a beast to build a really high-level, comp- like, um, what's the word yeah. I'm looking for? Complete, you know, training system, you know, where there's videos. Because you got, there's different types of training. The way that I coach people is that you got your, your technical training, which is where most people stop. You know, like, how do you, you know, start yeah. a pressure washer? How do you not use the red tip and ruin someone's deck? <laughs> like, all the basic stuff. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah. But people forget. Then there's, like, safety training. 
but they forget that there's also like process training, teaching people scripts. How do they request time off? Where do they go to, you know, uh, order equipment if they run out of supplies? Like there's all these processes, forms, paperwork, collecting money, whatever. Uh, you have culture training, like what's acceptable or not, uniforms. There's just all these different components. And to put it into like a learning management system or some sort of online portal is a huge project. But you have a lot of these courses. It's overwhelming. Yeah, but yeah. I'm looking at the outline. It's overwhelming. Just a Power Wash yeah. 101 is like insane. You have safety, the video, you have quizzes in here. You introduce them to the machines. You break it down to the pump and the different types of engines and motors and and all this stuff where you as the owner, you don't have to physically keep doing this manually to each employee, and then they quit after right. two weeks. Um, have you had people buying and, these as training resources as well? Yes, and and when we created it, I didn't. I made a point to create this as it was directed on the technical side um, for the employee. That was the original intent when I created it, and it could also be used for the business owner. But I, I didn't want to have it created in such a way that it was targeted at a business owner because one of the requests that we've had over the years in our training is that they would like to send people through our courses, but they want to train an employee to go out and start their own business. They want to be able to train an employee to go out and do the service or to be able to uh, get the technical experience and, um, you know, all the other things that you mentioned there as they they come on board or to to advance them within the company but yeah and obviously <laughs> nobody wants to train a guy that's going to go out and become their competition uh they want them to stay on they want that loyalty and they want that relationship and they want they want their their employees to grow with them and be part of their family a lot of us our companies are so small that it is our family and i'm getting a little off track but uh, at the end of the <laughs> and i it happens i know it happens with me I spend more time with my work associates than I do my own family at the end of the week when it comes down to it. Mm -hmm. No, it's, it's a huge percentage of our life. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a huge percentage. <laughs> we do. So these videos though, they're not teaching people how to sell jobs and upsell and double their average ticket. And <laughs> it's just the perfect mix of technical yes. and safety training on Correct. all this. Correct. So you got power washing. What else you got? Roof washing, house washing wood cleaning and restoration and then kitchen hood yep. stuff. I know that we, we have a diverse group of listeners, you know, there's, there's all yeah. kinds of industries, but for anybody listening, you know, I'm not getting paid to say to do this. I just think it's a shortcut. Um, go by, they're not even it expensive. Is. You have them way too cheap to be honest. They're like a hundred bucks or something for these. But you, anyway, you can use these courses for your employees and it collapses time for yourself. My friend, Myron Golden, Golden talks about how wealthy people, uh, try to collapse time. How do you collapse a time frame? How do you how do you get to a million dollars in your business in 24 months instead of 10 years? How do you like what's where's the shortcut, right? And they're not scared to invest money to collapse time. And this in the middle of busy season for people as they're listening to this, this is a great time collapser. <laughs> it's like you pay a hundred bucks, yeah. sit your employee in a chair, and they'll get better educated than you could do it anyway. I love that. Um, yeah. Well, just imagine the guys out there that's got 10 bids he's got to go out and do, but he's got to train two employees today. How's he going to get caught up on his bids? Yeah, it's a mess. It's hard. Yeah, and people, yeah. they get jaded and they pull back and they stay small forever, which is very risky, by the way, because you get hurt, you have no business, yeah. you have no asset, nothing sellable. You have a, Brandon Bonds calls it a bus factor. 
You get hit by a bus, it's done. You have a bus factor of one. <laughs> one person gets hit by a bus, <laughs> your wife doesn't have groceries yeah. anymore. Way to go. So right. they, they do like that. Bus factor. That's good. Yeah, or they just wind up hating their business, and or they just have to work a thousand hours a week. It's cra- it's crazy. Yeah, and 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 they're the guys out there that just decide that they just want to be the one man show because they don't want to grow anymore, and they're they're because it becomes it becomes overly challenging for them. And I I don't mean to talk down or that that that's not some people that's just their comfort zone. But if you want more from your life, you have to learn, you've got to figure out how to break out of that mold and be able to achieve more. And the only way you're going to do that is by hiring employees. And like you said, collapsing the, it's leverage. the time spectrum. Yeah. Up. A pre-done yeah. built training program it is, is leverage and big companies are all built on leverage, leveraging the delegating power to all the people on your team, leveraging the ideas and brain horsepower of all the other smart leaders on your team. It's, it's all about team building and about training. And I always say that there's only two primary problems in any business. You have either a people problem or a sales problem. And it's trying to balance one or the other of those. Like you're either trying to you drive go. sales. And if you succeed, you create a capacity issue. And now you got to, you know, go fix the mess over on the service side. And then once that's fixed, and then we want to drive sales again. And it, it's those two areas you need to be living, not out not- in in the field yourself, not out doing all the low level admin stuff yourself, not trying to do everything yourself. You gotta be building a team. Um, I wanna ask you too, Michael, before we wrap it up, about maybe some of the harder times you've had. I'm assuming this wasn't easy, Um, 10Xing a company. (laughs) What was it like during the hard times? Did you ever have any weird crises, cash flow issues, and it's very expensive to scale a company too. Did you have to sacrifice short-term financials personally to put it in the business? What, what did your wife say when you did that? What, what was it like going through the process of this? Yeah, no, it was. I think that those cycles always come. They're, they're just always going to be there. And they, they come and go. And the more you go through them, the more you're able to adjust to them and prepare yourself mentally. I, I've had people on staff that, you know, they, they'll just look at me like I, and they'll just shake their, like I, they, they're, they say, I don't understand how you, how you can manage it. All that comes at you on a daily basis. And eventually the more you do it, the more you apply yourself, the more you push yourself out there, the more, mentally tough and strong you become Mm -hmm. and there i don't think there's anything worse than than to question yourself i mean there are nights that i wake up and i wake up in sweats because i'm i'm concerned about what what tomorrow's going to hold or 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 how i'm going to get some things done and uh but i you know i think the worst thing to do is not to do anything and it that'll That'll drive you crazy faster. I mean, just the fear of not doing anything and the, and the constant anticipation of what could go wrong is probably the is probably the biggest adversary any entrepreneur can have. Are you saying just to clarify that you know, that pressure you feel? I call it productive paranoia, where you're constantly like looking for how your boat's going to sink, <laughs> even when there's no holes in the yeah. boat. 
Are you saying that no, that is a, yeah. is a positive force that's pushing you forward? Or are you saying we need to avoid being productively paranoid? Which is it? I know that's a good way to phrase it. So I think there's always a good, healthy, there should be a healthy amount of that. But when it becomes overwhelming is when people start to give up. How do you, so you not you, get overwhelmed? Is it, are you, is it your community of other friends with huge businesses that you lean on? Is it your wife? I know for me, I always say the best mastermind group you can have is your marriage. <laughs> and yeah, I, I would have accomplished nothing without her, you know, pulling my limp body out, sure. out of the bed and saying, get out there and stop being a weenie, you know, after she feels sorry for me for five minutes first. And then, then she kicks me in the butt. How do you get through that? <laughs> I'm kind of on the opposite side. I'm always the stronger one that's pushing forward. And, and they're always like, you need to back off. And I'm like, no, I'm not going to back off. Um, I think the thing that's always helped me to get through that is to, is to strategize and start coming up with a plan to get through it. Because without a plan, it's just, it's just a, it's a dark abyss and you don't know what, where you're going to go. Um, but if, if, if you develop a plan and you can create a strategy, um, and then you start down that path. Now you're able to take action. You're, you're able to, um, you're able to channel that energy that you talk about as that, the paranoia. And now it becomes a positive energy it becomes production and it drives you to become productive. Right. Yeah, that's good. And if you, if you're just sitting there and you're thinking about it and you're stressing and stressing, that stress is only going to build. And then those hormones in your body, you just overtake and they, 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 they clog your, your ability to make good decisions. But if you become productive and you become active, you start, you, your mind just produces different hormones and they burn that other, those other hormones off, so to speak. It's so it's true. Like being physically, like working out, you know, that's, that's one of the reasons I work out at times because it, it helps me clear my mind and I burn off that stuff. And then I, I have some of, some of my better ideas have come when I'm, I'm working out and I'm, and I'm thinking about, you know, what this challenge is. Um, or I'll wake up in the middle of the night sometimes and I'll, I'll come up, you know, I'll have that solution in my mind and I, then I don't want to sleep. My mind just starts racing. I want to get out of bed. I'm up at 3am and you get momentum. I'm off to work. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. Alex Sharfin, um, you, oh, I think you would love Alex Sharfin. He, he's been on my podcast, but he built, I think two different companies to over a hundred million dollars. But he talks about how right. entrepreneurs are not normal and that we have our own personality type. He calls it, um, EPT, which is the entrepreneurial personality type. And he says that we don't get really depressed and we don't feel happiness in the same way that normal people do. We feel either momentum, which is our version of happiness and joy, or we feel constraint, which is when we're not momentum and it's like we want to die. And that's why entrepreneurs, it's hard sometimes for them to even go on a vacation or downshift. We don't relax the same way as other people because it's relaxing for us to be crushing it, <laughs> to be like doing something, not no, just sitting true. there. But it's so fascinating. <laughs> yes. I think you'd like that. I mean, what types of challenges yeah. do you have now, right? Because people look at your business and say, oh, man, must be nice. Yeah. But, but there's huge, no, I, there's different types of stress, different types of challenges. Your capacity is increased as a leader because you've went yep. through hell and back. What what are some examples of what a $10 million conglomerate think, looks yeah, like? No, I think like right now we're probably, you know, when you, when you grow fast, you have cash flow challenges and that obviously having a good credit line helps with that. 
Um, so, you know, that those come and go. So it, it doesn't worry me extremely, but you know, it's always a concern, you know, how do we, how do we get on the other side of that and make sure our, uh, you know, we collect things in a timely manner and, you know, because it just, it's constantly watching and, and keeping those KPIs in check. And that, that's probably, and that's always, I think that's always a challenge is, is just inspecting what you inspect on a regular basis. Cause we all seem to get comfortable. And as a business owner, we start, we start getting focused on those projects and going in that new direction. And we're not always uh, watching, or at least I have it, you know, I do it at times and then I get back and I get back on top of it again. <laughs> yeah. It sounds like the challenges are the same. They just have more zeros on them or there's more at stake. They do. <laughs> you know, there's they more do. jobs at they stake. Do. You know, it's like, yeah, <clears throat> I remember with send Jim one time, actually way more than one time. Um, Cause this is the hardest business ever for me to get off the ground. But there, there is several times where it's like, if I don't make, find a way to make a hundred thousand dollars in, like 10 days, we're in really big trouble. And like that type of stress is like indescribable. But then I did it and somehow we did it. Thank God, like it was insane, right? So then like my capacity for stress increases. And so like, as I said today, like if I had to think of a way to come up with a hundred grand, um, it doesn't feel like a big deal because I faced it and went through it, right? You know what I'm saying? Like, so right. it, that that's the exact equivalent yeah. as someone would feel if they needed to make $1,000 or they can't pay their rent and they're freaking out. If you can build a plan and execute on it and create momentum and achieve that, your confidence goes up, your capacity goes up, and it, it's like a little molehill instead of a mountain the next time, right? Yep. Yep. No, that's exactly right. Hmm. Well... How do we land the plane here? How about we talk about <laughs> how about we talk to uh, some of the people who are overworked and underpaid this summer? They have these big dreams. Um, they know that they have the ability to achieve what they want, but maybe it doesn't feel like they're getting getting there very quickly today. What would you say to encourage them to to keep going? Well, but. One of my favorite quotes is from Winston Churchill, and that's never, never give up. So uh, that's, you know, that would be the first thing that I would say to him. And the second thing I would say is that I don't think I'm anything special than the next guy. And if I can do it, they can do it. And that's actually one of the things that I used to think about when I was younger. I said, I always thought to myself, if somebody else can do it, I can do it. Totally agree. I I, I say often on this podcast that there are a lot of people out there dumber than you that already have what you want. <laughs> and I, it's true. Yeah. It's true. Some of the most well, talented, capable people are the ones that hold back the sure. most because they overthink everything. And they're, they're, it's crazy. Yeah. But some of the dumbest people that well, just that, go for stuff, they're winning. They're overthinking it because they're not taking action. Yeah, I do that all and the time. Then, and if you take action... <laughs> And if you take action, then then you tweak your plan afterwards. Don't 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 overthink your plan for weeks and weeks and weeks. You know, maybe you take a couple of days or you take a week, but but then then start implementing it. And you know, if if it went off course or if it went if you or if you didn't get 
get the direct result you're expecting, you can you can start tweaking at that point and, and making it better, but it's never going to get better and it's never going to improve if you don't do anything. It reminds me of a jet ski. You know, I don't know if you're into water sports at all, but a jet ski, the way that it turns, yeah. like, oh. it won't turn unless it's going forward. So, like, it, you have to be in motion to even tweak and pivot and move it. Or another way to look at it that I love that I heard recently was you have to commit to the result before you know the how, which what that means is, like, people want to, they don't want to take sure. any action until they have, like, an exact bullet-pointed step-by-step, you know, three Tuesdays from now, this will happen, and here's the decision you make. And then six months from now, this crazy bad thing will happen, and here's the exact choice you need to make. It doesn't work like that. You, you have to be all in on the result, the hitting a million bucks, hitting 10 million, whatever the number is or however you want to measure it. The how comes to you in real time as you're moving forward, like on the jet ski. And, yeah, you can veer left to not run over something. But it's, hopefully that made some sense. Yeah. It did. It did. Well, it, it reminded me of an analogy that, that, that stuck with me from a school counselor that talked to us in seventh grade. You know, you go from elementary, you go to middle school, and that was my seventh grade year when I went to middle school. And the school counselor walked in there, and she, she went up to the chalkboard. We had chalkboards back then. <laughs> and and she, she put the chalk on the board, and she started making a spiral, and she started going out from that spiral. And she stood back, and then she drew a straight line. And she goes, the spiral over here represents people who have no direction in their life. They go in circles. And she just, you know, she got bigger with the circle. She went around making that spiral. And she goes, and this line over here is people who choose a direction, and they stay focused on that direction until they get to where they're going. Now, that may not be, once they get there, it may not be where they really wanted to be. So then they can change directions. But if you decide you're going to go to college and you make a plan on going to college and this is what you want to take when you're in college, then you need to focus and stay on that path until you graduate from college. That's so good. It's so and good. It, and it stuck with me. It stuck with me. Um, I, and, I've, and I've applied that concept several times in different aspects of my life. And she, of course, she was, she was trying to teach seventh graders, you know, where, you know, how having a, a vision and making a choice to go a direction, but obviously you could change it as you go. And she said, and she even said, sometimes, you know, you're on that path and you realize that's not exactly the, the end point you want to go and you can shift it again. But that's the part that stuck out the most to me. That, that, that stuck yeah. out the most because like, I think it's profound because people are scared to pick any goal because they're not a hundred percent sure if that's the ultimate total goal for their whole life so they pick nothing like they they can't decide what they want perfectly over 30 years rather than saying all right for the next 12 months i'm just going to smash this one result and then see what happens and then make it make a decision after that i think that's really useful man that's that's awesome well, sure and 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 there's a reason for that because there's social pressure to be successful and if you pick a path and you end up not being successful you don't want to have to tell people that you failed. And so people don't actually start taking because they're afraid of failure. They're afraid that if they start down that path and didn't go in the right direction, that they're going to have to admit that they were wrong or they didn't do something right. And it kind of relates, you know, and it kind of goes back into, um, this was a hard thing for me to learn uh, when it came to managing employees. I always felt as the business owner and the leader, I had to be right 100% of the time. 
And it probably wasn't until about eight, I would say around eight years ago, maybe 10 years ago, that I, I realized that that was hurting me. Well, I didn't realize it was hurting me. I just decided that, you know, I, this is, I have to admit I'm wrong and that I've chosen some bad paths here for the company and it's affected us. And I had to admit it to my, my core of um, my leadership team. And to me, it was, it was, it was refreshing in the aspect that they respected me as a person and they looked up to me more because I was willing to stand up and say that in front of them. Oh, man, and I, so I that, yeah, it was, it was kind of shocking to me and it was a relief at the same time because that weight was off my shoulders. Now I didn't have to be right all the time anymore. I could make mistakes and I could still be respected and, 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 and looked upon as a quality leader and, and even gain more respect because I did that. Oh yeah. You just hit on something so profound. It gave me goosebumps when you were talking, um, about humility, about not being scared to look stupid, about going for it anyway. Like that is the path to doing huge things. And I don't, I'm sure you're familiar, maybe you're not, but I want to read a really famous uh, quote from Theodore Roosevelt in 1910. That is exactly, I think, what we're talking about. This is like goosebumpy epic stuff. Can I read that real quick, Michael? Sure, absolutely. Okay, so Teddy Roosevelt said, uh, it is not the critic who counts, nor the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by the dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again, because there is no effort without error and shortcoming, but who does not actually strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. Like, that's what you're talking about to me, is yeah. getting in the arena, getting dirty, failing, failing quickly, like acknowledging it, having humility, building a team, being vulnerable, fighting, building. Like, that's where all the action is. That's where all the glory is. That's how you build it. $100 million thing or whatever. And who cares about money? It doesn't even matter. It's about achievement. It's about personal growth. And those are markers and they do mean something. And it drives me nuts when these little low thinking uh, people, they say things like, ah, well, no, I, I, I could do that. I just choose to be really small. No, you don't. You don't choose to be small. Like what a load because it's freaking hard and you don't want to put in the work. Um, I right. don't know. Those are my closing thoughts, Michael. What are yours? Yeah, no, um, it's easy to become comfortable and decide that that's as far as you want to go. But keep in mind that, that business and personal growth, I think it, it's, it's never stagnant. Our world is always changing and it always will be changing. And I think it's, it's, it's of the utmost importance to accept that we, from, from the beginning of time, we live in a changing world. And there's, there's abundance of opportunity out there. You have to constantly be looking for that opportunity. You have to constantly be wanting to find opportunity and trying to take advantage of that opportunity. And if you're, you're looking for a place in your life to where you can just sit back and, 
and, and somewhat retire, even in that, that's not, to me, that's not a place to be. Um, you're you're going to go downhill. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of studies that show how people die X amount of years after they stop working, right? It's the people that stay active and keep adding yeah. value to other people, and they have a purpose and a cause. and. It's awesome. Sure. I just I want to encourage all the listeners. Hopefully, you guys have enjoyed this oh, conversation. I, I want to encourage everybody to go. Uh, if you have a power washing as a part of one of your lines of business, or you want to add it, go to powerwash.com. Click on courses. Um, these are incredible resources for you, or to use as training programs to take take some pressure off yourself and use it to collapse time and use it as leverage. There's power wash 101, power wash 102. There's roof washing house washing, wood restoration, kitchen hood stuff. There's a bunch of stuff. It's already done for you. It's inexpensive. And uh, I, I would recommend you go over there and get that. And I want to thank you, Michael, for spending so much time with us and sharing some wisdom. Sure. Hey, anytime, anytime. Glad to do it, Josh. You know, we're, we're good friends and I enjoy talking to you. And I think you've got a lot of great insight as well. Well, I appreciate that very much, my friend. We'll catch up soon again uh, as soon as we get time in our crazy world. <laughs> right. Yes. Hey, thanks for hanging out, friends. And from all of us here at the Quick Talk Podcast team, we hope you love today's show. We hope that you were inspired to become a doer and not just a listener. Apply what you've heard today in your own business and watch things change for the better. Lastly, remember that all the money in the world can't save your soul. Seek first the kingdom of God, my friends. We'll see you next time. For more information about the Quick Talk Podcast or Joshua's other businesses, visit our website, quicktalkpodcast.com. Have a blessed day.